0: And he sang uh, just a little bit of everything. And I asked him, was he nervous? He said, just a little bit. I said, well, I'm nervous for you. I used to get nervous having to play one song. And he played a couple and uh, sang and played his trumpet. Appreciate that. And uh, what a blessing it is to have all those talents to use for the Lord. By the way, I saw Mrs. Matthews here tonight. Glad to have her here visiting with us. She's going to make sure Justin doesn't fall asleep tonight. Amen. Uh, Look after him. Glad to have her here visiting with us. I guess heading up to graduation. Uh, here soon this weekend. Brother Bryce, hard to believe, uh, Brother Bryce will be graduating soon. We've got them on our prayer list, so let's segue into that. If you have your prayer list, let's take it out tonight. Uh, make sure everybody has one. If you need one, uh, lift your hand up high. Just, just get it up there where they can see it. We have two uh, lovely gentlemen. they would love to get those out there to you. And uh, matter of fact, one of the gentlemen there tonight, Brother Jeff Keaton, is on our prayer list, actually. Glad to have him uh, back with us. Had a pinched nerve in his back. And we're thankful he's able to be here and serving tonight. And uh, just, just be sure you pass him out with an arm that wasn't pinched, Brother Jeff. That way you don't get uh, get hurt there on the job. Let's take it out tonight if we could. Let's look over our prayer list just for a few moments before we pray. And I'm uh, just going to glance over them just for a few moments there at the top. We have our close ministries here at our church, things uh, that we need to pray for regularly, not just here on our property, but missionaries out of our church and uh, had opportunity to speak with Miss Mallory today there in Papua New Guinea. You pray for her. Every once in a while we'll see pictures on Facebook that she's uh, posting about her opportunities there. Looks like she's having a grand adventure. You pray for her as well as our other missionaries. And then right there underneath our members needing prayer, one of our missionaries on the bottom right, Miss Cindy Rogers. Uh, I talked to Janelle a little while earlier and she has arrived safely at home. And uh, got her luggage, I believe everything uh, arrived at the same time, which is a blessing when you've traveled that far. So thank the Lord for that. Uh, I am very excited to report. We were able to get all of her, uh, her ticket paid for. And uh, thank the Lord all of that came, came from uh, folks giving to that need and uh, excited about her being able to get back over there. And uh, I know one particular missionary over there that was a glad to see her, amen. Brother Rogers has been without her for a little while and uh, I know he was glad to have her back there with him. So you pray for them as they get back to work. Continue to remember Brother Rogers, his health, having a few ups and downs there with that. And I pray that they'll be able to get that leveled off. And I think he's making slight improvements uh, from what I've heard in recent reports. Uh, There on the top, uh, I've got a couple I want to give you, or in the middle, I'm sorry, the second page. Uh, On the far right, we have Lindell Maskew. This is Miss Colleen Wyman's nephew in a coma in a hospital there in Florida. Uh, I know you may not know him, but we can pray for them. God knows him. Amen. We're going to pray for him tonight. Uh, and then Ernie Summerall that is there, I'm sorry, I had the names mixed up. Ernie Summerall's is Miss Colleen's nephew. Uh, and then Ernie uh, Lindell-Maskew, that's Miss Holloman's uh, prayer request. She called in, someone with heart problems there. And so you pray for them. Uh, obviously, we have our active military, our college students. You pray for them. A lot of those will be graduating soon, some going into college, some getting out of college. Uh, you pray for them during the summertime. Uh, excited to get to see some of them again real soon. Uh, We have our missions update there. I'll let you read that on your own time. Thank the Lord for what he's doing in and through our missionaries that we're able to support. Uh, Brother Shields is one that I got to know right after I moved here. And uh, they're doing a great work down there with their aviation ministry and the camp work that they're building. Uh, On the back, we have our workers of the week. You pray for them. Pray for our folks, these pastors of the week. Uh, Maybe next week, if I remember to do this, I'm going to bring you a small stack of letters that I have on my desk that are from some of these pastors of the week. Uh, And it's just amazing how God works out the timing uh, of how they just get a simple letter in the mail from Central Baptist Church telling them that our church is praying for them. Uh, And I can't tell you the heartfelt thank yous I get from them. Sometimes they're going through a trial. Sometimes they have a need, sometimes they need discernment. And just knowing an entire church family was praying for them meant the world. And so you keep that up. You pray for these folks as they serve God. Our, our, our workers of the week, you thank them for all of their work that they put in investing in our church. Pray for them as well, that God would continue to use them uh, for his glory. There's obviously a thank you there from Miss Betty Sue and Brother Gene. Uh, you uh, continue to remember them in prayer as they kind of have ups and downs. everybody brother, Jean's health, Miss uh, Betty Sue, uh, so faithfully taking care of him, and they're faithful to tune in and our live stream. Just one of the many benefits of our live stream ministry here at our church. Uh, every time I get to go by and visit them, which is not terribly often, uh, Miss Betty Sue shows me her notes. Uh, and she keeps track of the messages and outlines the messages probably even better than I do. So you pray for them, though, and uh, I'm thankful they're able to be a part of the church still through the live stream ministry. One more I want to give you tonight before we pray. Uh, back there in the middle of our prayer list, the needs of others given by our church family, uh, you'll notice in the far right-hand corner, four or five names up, uh, Brother Baddo's stepmom is Dolly Baddo is there. And I was talking to Brother Batto earlier uh, before, the, before the service. She's obviously having some uh, dire health needs right now. Brother Batto, how old is she again? 80, 84 uh, years old. And we were going out visiting on Thursday. He got the call that she was having to have some emergency surgery. Uh, her kidneys are beginning to shut down. And so she's desperately in need of our prayer for her physical healing. But talk to Brother Batto this evening, ask him uh, if we could mention this publicly. Uh, as far as we know, uh, she is not saved. And uh, obviously in this place where she's at in her health, uh, seems to be about to step out in eternity very soon. Brother Beto asked if we would pray for his stepmom tonight, uh, that we pray that she'd be saved. And uh, boy, there's nothing more important. Look, I, I pray she's healed physically. Uh, but if anything, we need to pray that she is saved spiritually. I know Brother Bado has shared the gospel with her many times, so you pray for him as he'll be visiting with her. Uh, pray that God would soften her heart, amen. Uh, the Lord can do that, and then pray that God would give him the words as he goes and he speaks with her, uh, that she would trust in Christ. And so, one of our church members sharing a very intimate request tonight, asking that his church family would pray for the salvation of his stepmom. That uh, I guess she became your stepmom, Brother Bado, when you was 12, 14 years old. Uh, so known her a long time and you pray for her tonight. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's lift these requests up and pray specifically for the physical and spiritual needs tonight. Father, I do thank you for the privilege of praying. And Lord, I, I'm thankful for answered prayer. And I want to be careful tonight to thank you for all that you've done. Uh, Lord, just this morning, I want to praise you for two pr- answered prayer requests in my life. What a blessing it was, Lord, and to spend a little time with you uh, before I left the house today, and, and Lord, within an hour, you answered two prayer requests for me, and I, I'm thankful for that, and I praise you for that. And Father, tonight we have more requests, Lord, that we bring to you. Uh, some folks who have needs, Father, in their physical health, and Lord, we know you're well capable of bringing healing, and I pray that you touch them tonight. Lord, I pray that even during their time of sickness and their time of where their body, Lord, may be broken Father, that you would be near to them, and Lord, through this, show them an extra special grace to where spiritually they draw closer to you in the time of their physical infirmity. Lord, I do pray tonight for our missionaries, I pray for our pastor of the week, I pray for those that are serving you faithfully, Lord, all around the world and even here in our country. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them, give them fruit for their labors. Uh, Lord, I pray for those that are striving, Lord, in times of difficulty, uh, maybe confusion in their life, maybe confusion in their heart. Uh, Lord, oftentimes we have resistance of Satan as we try to grow. I pray for those, Lord, fighting those spiritual battles that you would send some encouragement their way. Give them victory this week. I pray you'd send somebody their way that would lift their spirits, as often as the case with myself. Thank you for people that are a blessing and encouragement. And Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, for Miss Bada, we lift her up to you. Lord, we know you love her. You sent your son to die for her just as you did for me and every other person in this room. And Father, I pray that, Lord, during this time of physical ailment, Uh, that, Lord, you'd soften her heart to be able to hear the gospel and receive it. Be with Brother Bado and Miss Susan and others who have the opportunity to share the gospel with her. Give them great wisdom, Lord, give them a heart, Lord, of compassion to be able to speak, Lord, your truth and love in a way, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would take it and pierce deep within her heart that, Lord, she'd be saved and trust you as Savior. Lord, I pray you bless our time tonight, Lord, as we open your word. It's midweek, and I know we're tired, but Lord, you've got something for us tonight, and I pray that you would help us through your word. Strengthen us, help us leave here encouraged, ready to go face today, tomorrow, to seek and do your will. And I pray, Lord, you'd honor us, Lord, tonight, Lord, with your spirit, Uh, Lord, just move within our service, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's take our Bibles tonight. Let's go back to the book of Genesis, chapter number 39. Genesis chapter number 39, hope you've had a great day today, hope you look forward to coming to church, hope you've been praying about what God would have for you, pray for our young people tonight that are up there uh, in Masters Club, pray that God would work through the word there in their lives, but let's pray God meets with us tonight, and uh, we're going to go back to Joseph, I told Brother Richard uh, before the service, uh, we're looking down the road of readiness, and our desire this year is to be ready, ready to meet the Lord in our, our, through our salvation. And then ready to be used to the Lord. Uh, Sunday morning, we're going to hit on this a little bit. Uh, we just finished up the first third of our year. That's hard to believe, isn't it? The first third of 2023 is already over. Uh, I hope you can take your little card out and see some areas you've grown in the Lord, become more ready to be used to the Lord. Uh, and if he tarries, we're going to begin the second third this Sunday But as we go through our theme this year of being ready, I want you to understand this is not just a theme, okay? This is a mindset and this is a mission, amen? This should be our mindset this year, that we're going to become ready, that we're not going to be a stagnant soldier, amen? We're not going to be stagnant in our walk with God this year. We are going to be actively seeking to become ready, a people prepared for the Lord. It is our mission It is our mindset, and the Word of God has been helping us with that as we slowly follow some of our patriarchs, and I say that candidly, slowly, because we're going through it a lot slower than I thought we would. Uh, I thought we'd hit uh, Abraham and then hit Joseph and move on, but Joseph has been a little bit uh, more in-depth in the study as the Lord would lead us to preach on particular topics. Now, Joseph is one that I love. There's a lot of things we can learn about Joseph, and we started in a peculiar place. Remember a few weeks ago, Joseph we started where? In the pit. Uh, What an interesting place to start your journey of the will of God for your life uh, in a pit. I hope yours didn't start that way. Amen. I hope it started a little bit better than that. I hope it started in a church. Or maybe somebody led you to the Lord at your house. But Joseph started in a pit. And boy, he learned some things in the pit, didn't he? He learned that he could trust God. He learned to look up in a pit. If you ever find yourself in a spiritual pit, hey, don't cry about it all night long. Try to learn to look up a little bit because God's going to help you look up. And then what did God do? God lifted him up, didn't he? Everybody left him for dead. Everybody forsook him, left him all alone. It didn't matter what everybody else did to him. God lifted him up. I'm thankful God can do that, aren't you? Sometimes we feel forsaken. Sometimes as Joseph we feel sold out. But God never forgot about him. God lifted him up. So last week we looked at the path to Potiphar's. The path to Potiphar's. What do we see? Two things. The Bible says in chapter 39, you look down to verse 2. The Bible says the Lord was with Joseph And he was prosperous. Joseph saw that on the path to Potiphar's, in spite of everything that was going wrong, God gave him his presence and God gave him his providence. I'm thankful that even we're on that rough road to Potiphar's, we're feeling sold out and alone, God still has his presence with us and God still has his providence with us. Well, I thought we were going to jump on, I really did, and and move on down the line in the life of Joseph a little bit. And as I began studying a little bit earlier in the week, uh, or late last week, looking down through here, uh, we didn't make it past verse 2 again, as weird as that may sound. So let's look down to verse 2 and let's see what God has for us tonight here, all right? Chapter 39, verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. Now, watch this. This is what I couldn't get past. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. We just prayed and we already asked the Lord to bless us. We're going to jump right into it tonight if we could. I couldn't help but wonder why God put that there. We know that already, right? Chapter 37 tells us he was sold to the Egyptian. He was sold by the Midianites, or the Ishmaelites sold him to the the Egyptians. And he's in the house of the Egyptian. We know that. Look at at verse 1. There he is, sold to Potiphar. So why did the Lord say at the end of verse 2, he just added this tagline here, that he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian? Folks, I I believe that little tagline at the end of verse 2 is meant to be there. And I believe God wants us to see the importance of why he put that there. And here's what I believe. I believe that God is showing us that even though he was in, key on that word tonight, that he was in the house of the Egyptian, that God still had preeminence in the life of Joseph. I think that's why he put that there. He wanted us to know that even though he was in the situation he was in, that God still had preeminence, even though he was in a place that he would probably rather not be. Now, he's showing him something we need to know tonight. This is important important tonight. We're going to look at Potiphar's place, okay? Potiphar's place. And what was it about Potiphar's place that God brought Joseph here? Number one tonight, I want to show you it was a place of God's preeminence. Potiphar's place, you know, the peas. I had to alliterate it, okay? Last week, you know, we had the pit, and then we had the path to Potiphar's. We had to keep it rolling, okay? And so tonight we're looking at Potiphar's place instead of Potiphar's house. What was it about Potiphar's house? Why did God bring Joseph there? And why did he say he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. I believe God is showing us that in the life of Joseph, he still had preeminence. That no matter where he was, no matter what circumstances he was in the midst of, God still had preeminence over that. Aren't you glad, by the way, that God has preeminence over all things? Now, what is the definition of preeminence? I'll give you mine, if that's all right. I ran it past my wife today. I said, does this make sense? Because just because it makes sense to me, it doesn't mean it makes sense to everybody else. You know I think a little off, right? Amen. There's an easy amen right there. You've always been wanting to say it anyway. Preeminence is when we have God's sovereignty over our circumstances. Okay? Preeminence, when God has preeminence, it means God has sovereignty over our circumstances. Now watch this. No matter what circumstances we are in. You get it? I don't know about you, I've gotten myself in some circumstances that were over my head and out of my hands. Ever been there? My mouth gets me in trouble all the time. All the time. And I will find myself in a situation that I don't enjoy. I will find myself in a situation that brings me grief. But watch this. He was in Potiphar's house. Now you think about this. He was in a pagan land. In a pagan land. He was in the house of someone who worshipped many gods, the Egyptian gods. They were polytheistic people. So he's in this circumstance, and then he is in a situation of servitude. Nobody would ask for any of those, would you? I hope not. I don't want to go to a, foreign, a, a pagan land. I don't want to live in a pagan house. I don't want to be in servitude. But God put right there at the end of verse number two, he was in the house of the Egyptian, but God still had preeminence over him. Why? Because the Bible says in verse 2 that he was with him and he prospered him. Now, here's what I want you to get in point one tonight, okay? How often do we get in circumstances that we don't like, that are uncomfortable, and that we would rather get out of, and we're praying that God would take us out of those circumstances? Ever been there? God, I'm in a bind. It could be a financial bind. It could be a spiritual bind. It could be a family bind. It could be any kind of bind. And we find ourselves in those binds, and we're praying that God would take us what? Out of those binds. God, if you just get me out. Binds are the places where we make a lot of promises to God, right? God, if you just get me out of this one. I heard somebody say, I think it was Adrian Rogers years ago, Adrian Rogers said, uh, somebody was praying once uh, about a financial bind they were in, and they says, God, if you just get me out of this financial bind, you'll never hear from me again. And that's usually the case. God gets us out of the bind, and he never hears from us again. And we get in these binds, and we want God to take us out of them. Now, now, stick with me, okay? And we pray when we're in these situations, as Joseph was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. But oftentimes, our prayer is that God would show preeminence in getting us out. Right? God, show yourself strong by getting me out. But I believe some of the best times that God could show his preeminence is by doing it in times of distress, not by taking us out of times of distress. I want you to think about it tonight. Daniel was in the lion's den, right? He was in it. And rather than take him out of it, God, watch, showed his preeminence in it. All right? Now, here's what I want you to understand tonight. Be careful getting in situations where we're in a bind. We are in spiritual distress and we're praying and there's nothing wrong with asking God to get us out of it, but sometimes God's going to lead us in. Sometimes God is going to lead us on our road to readiness into situations where we're not going to feel happy-go-lucky and skip down the lane whistling all the way. Sometimes God wants to show his preeminence In the situation not by taking you out of the situation now watch what happened the Bible says he was in the house of his master the Egyptian now sometimes it's God's will along the road of readiness we get into places that we would rather get out of correct all right this this prosperity gospel that after you get saved everything's just gonna be great listen that's a farce and it's nowhere near to what the Word of God says what did Jesus say Ye shall have tribulation Do you know what that means? You shall have tribulation. That's what it means. That sometimes you're going to be in a place you don't want to be. But wait a minute. Instead of griping and complaining about the situation we're in, why don't we watch God show his preeminence in the situation? He was still preeminent in the life of Joseph in the Egyptian's house. Probably the best example I could give you tonight is 2 Corinthians 12. You don't have to turn there. You know the story. I'll read you the verses. The Bible says, in the life of the Apostle Paul, because of the abundance of the revelations, God didn't want him to get exalted above measure. I love the fact God was acknowledging Paul's humanity. Because I have it too. Be careful, the bigger your head gets, the easier of a target it is for the devil to hit. I have found that out. So the Bible says that Paul was given something. Do you remember what Paul was given? A thorn, now wait a minute, what's the next word? In the flesh. God gave him something, a thorn in the flesh. So what did he do? He prayed to God three times. God, this doesn't feel good. I don't like the situation I am in. God, take it away. But what did God say? God says, no, my grace is sufficient for thee. And he says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. We're too busy crying, begging God to take us out when God wants to show his preeminence while we're in. God says, look, instead of feeling sorry for yourself, why don't you look to my preeminence in the problem you're in. So wait a minute, watch how quick Paul learned the lesson. Verse 7, he was given the thorn. Verse 8, he asked God to get it out. Verse 9, here's what he says. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory, wait a minute, here it comes, in my infirmities. How on earth could you glory? You say, Paul has lost his mind. This must have been one of those poisonous thorns and poisonous uh, venom is in his body and he's not thinking straight. Oh no, he's thinking straight. He's thinking spiritually straight, not carnally straight. He says, I glory in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am I strong. Now, wait a minute. Where were all of those things? There were things he was in. There were things he was in. I don't know about you. I have wasted distressing times before. I've wasted them. You say, what do you mean? How how do you waste a distressing time? I just spent that time complaining, griping, blaming somebody else. Instead, when I was in the house of the Egyptian, his master, when I was in that situation where everything around me was wrong, everything around Joseph was wrong. He was in a pagan country, in a pagan house, in servitude, and yet God says, I want to show you something in verse number two. I had preeminence over all of that. Now, folks, I don't know about you tonight, but oftentimes in my life, I understand things. And I may understand what the Word of God has to say, but I don't always appreciate it like I should. Are you ever there? Look, some of you folks have been saved twice as long as I have. You've been alive a lot longer than I have. And we, you understand a lot about this book. But can I ask you, do you appreciate it like you should? I'll give you an example. Years ago, I said I would never fly, all right? And, uh, and then you say never, the Lord says, we'll see. So be careful about that. There was three things I said when I was a teenager I would never do. One of them was be a pastor early on. I said, oh, I want to be a pastor. And uh, two of the three have come to pass. I'm not going to tell you what the third one is because it scares me to even think about it. I'm hoping God gives grace for the ignorance of my youth. Amen? I hope so. I hope so. But I said I would never fly, and uh, before long I was on a mission trip there, and I was headed to Jamaica. You went as well, didn't you, to Jamaica? The same, went to the same place, did Bible schools and preached down there. And uh, We were on the way back from Jamaica. If you've ever taken off at Montego Bay, Jamaica, it's beautiful. The water's right there, and it's a very little landing strip to, to do, take off and land. And we take off really high, really fast. And we got over to Cuba, and uh, there was this dark cloud, and we flew right into it. And that was my second time to fly. The first time was on the way down. The second time I was on the way back. We took off, we flying along, right over around Cuba, there is this dark cloud, and I'm thinking, well, he'll just go around it, you know, that's how we do with things in the road, right? There's a dead possum in the road, we're going to go around it, you know, unless some of you would probably hit it and take it home and eat it, but, you know, most of the time I go around it. Well, he just squared up on it. You look out the window, it's dark, and then the plane starts going, woof, 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 woof. And look, I'm there with a bunch of teenagers. I'm chaperoning these teenagers on this trip, and I'm trying to act all spiritual. It's okay. It's okay. On the inside, I am lying to them. I'm scared too. The plane's moving. The plane's moving. The plane's moving. And all of a sudden, the door opens on the 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 back there where the refrigerator was, and all these little miniature wine bottles started hitting the ground and rolling everywhere. It was it was quite traumatic. I remember when I got off the plane. I walked by the door, and I looked into where the captain was at, and I says, great job. Thank you for getting me back down on the ground. Do you know I didn't appreciate that pilot when I got on the plane? I appreciated it when I got off. Do you know what the difference was? I just had Holy Spirit conviction somewhere up there that you ought to appreciate that pilot more than you do. No, it was turbulence. It was turbulence. You see, oftentimes we don't appreciate this book, the preeminence of God, like we should. You know what God does? He sends a little turbulence. He lets us get in a situation we don't want to be in and we want to get out of. And we're like, Lord, I don't like what's going on around me. And oh, watch, when God brings you through with his preeminence, and God says, I'm superior to your circumstances. Yes, Joseph, I know he's an Egyptian. Yes, you're in a pagan land. Yes, you're in servitude. It doesn't matter. I'm preeminent. Oh, Joseph understood that. Why? Because he saw God working in a situation that was very distressing. Now, folks, don't listen, don't waste a good trial tonight. Learn to come to this place of Potiphar's place where you learn about God's preeminence. Acts 4.29, I'll give you this. We've got to hurry the Bible says, "And now, Lord, behold their threatenings." We know the story in the Book of Acts. I mean, they're threatening the boys. Don't preach. Don't say that again. They're going to beat them. They're going to persecute them. What does the Bible say? "And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants with all boldness that they may speak thy word." Can I tell you what they were asking for? It says, "God." They didn't ask God to get us out. They said, "God, just be preeminent. Give us what we need." That's where we need to be in 2023. Look, I know the Lord's coming back. I'm looking forward to him coming back, but he hasn't come back yet. And if we sit around all day and say, Lord, I'm just going to pray that you come back tomorrow. Lord, all this stuff's going on around us. I feel like Joseph down in Egypt. God, just get us out of here. Instead of praying that God would get us out of here, why don't we pray that God would have preeminence over our circumstances. And when people see what God's doing in our life, maybe they'll trust him too. Folks, tonight, we got to understand this thing of God's preeminence. That's what Daniel did. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's what the disciples did in the storm. What did they say when Jesus called in the storm? What manner of man is this? They spent some time with him. They knew who he was. But I don't know they appreciated him like they should. You know, this is Jesus, the Son of God, and they believe that, and they're following him. But man, when he calmed the storm, all of a sudden, what manner of man is this? They had a greater appreciation for him, but it took a storm to do it. He had preeminence over their storm. He had preeminence over Daniel's lions. He had preeminence over the three Hebrews' fire. Folks, he's got preeminence in 2023, too. We're thinking to ourselves, we're living in unprecedented times. Maybe for us but not to God. Unprecedented means that God is sitting up there and he's thinking, hmm, never dealt with this before. God is preeminent. And sometimes God leads us us to Potiphar's place because it's a place of preeminence. We learn that from God. Colossians 1.18. You ought to read Colossians 1 tonight when you get home. What a great book, great chapter there. In one of my study Bibles, the heading on Colossians 1 is entitled, The Incomparable Christ. you read colossians 1 that's exactly what it is the incomparable christ and it tells us all about christ and all that christ did and all that he was able to do and all that he will do but watch this what it says verse 18 and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence you notice that's verse 18. he gave you his resume Verse 1 through verse 17. Can I tell you tonight, you ought to read the resume of Christ. Colossians chapter 1, look through verse 1 through verse 17. And you'll realize tonight, there's nothing you're going to face. He does not have preeminence over. Maybe that's why God leads us to Potiphar's place sometimes. Number one tonight, it was a place of preeminence. Matthew chapter 10, I'll give you the second thing. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says this in verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. I'm just being honest with you. They are they're about six chapters in to their calling, right? He called them in Matthew 4, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Six chapters later, hey, BTW, I'm going to send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. I kind of feel like Peter was probably not paying attention. He goes, what did he say? Yeah, he's going to send us as sheep. But wait a minute, in the midst of wolves... Don't think for a second there aren't times on the road to readiness he's not going to lead you into the midst of something that distresses you. But when we get there in the midst of that storm or the furnace or the lions or the midst of the wolves, whatever it is, that's when you learn about the preeminence of God. That God's, listen, his sovereignty is over every circumstance we're ever going to face. Number one, what was Potiphar's place? It was a place of God's preeminence. Now let's look on down, okay? I feel like you got that one. And we can move on down to verse three, okay? Let's move on a little bit tonight. The Bible says, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. There's a second thing about Potiphar's place we need to see tonight, is that God's work wasn't limited just to Joseph. Now, boy, this is a beautiful picture tonight that we need to see. Why? Because you're going to avoid Potiphar's place. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be there. I don't like the circumstances there. I don't want to get in there, and you're going to avoid Potiphar's place. But I want to show you what you're going to miss out if you avoid God leading you in the midst of a place just like this. Verse 3 shows us Potiphar began to notice something was undeniably at work in the life of Joseph. What's amazing is that what Potiphar concluded. What did Potiphar conclude? And his master saw that the Lord was with him. This is beautiful. So Joseph doesn't gripe and complain and whine about his circumstance. He says God has preeminence, God has sovereignty. And here's this old lost boss man watching him. He says something's going on in his life, something good. He has something good about him. He has the prosperity on his life. And after a while, Potiphar couldn't help but do the math. And when he did the math, the Bible says that Potiphar concluded that the Lord was with him. Now please hear me out tonight. Could it be tonight that sometimes God leads us to Potiphar's place? A place where we don't want to be, a place that we don't like, and a place that doesn't feel good. Could it be tonight that God leads us to Potiphar's place every once in a while, not just to show us something, but to show somebody else something? That's what he did for Potiphar. Can you imagine if Joseph had fought going to Potiphar's place? He would have missed out on the chance to be a witness to Potiphar. I'm not reading between the lines and saying Potiphar got saved. But I want you to know, Joseph introduced Potiphar to who his Lord was. And whether he accepted them or not, we don't know. But Joseph introduced him to there in his house. Now here's what I wonder tonight. How often do we resist God leading us into places that we would rather not be? Distressing times we'd rather not go to. And God says, no, 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 I'm doing that on purpose because I'm going to lead you there. I'm going to be preeminent in your life there. And there's a lost person there who needs to see your testimony of what you're going through. Think about this. What if God allows us to go to Potiphar's place where we are tested, where he takes our test and uses it for someone else's testimony? Think about that. God, I don't like this cancer. God, God, I have this diagnosis, and God, I, I don't like this grief that I'm going through, and God, I have this family trouble, and God, I'm having this, and you're like, God, I don't like the situation I am in. Look, does not matter which situation you are in, God still has sovereignty, and he's preeminent over that. Don't give up on God. Don't quit on God. God has preeminence over your situation. He's sovereign. I say, what do I do? Well, you do what Joseph did. You just trust God, because you trust God, In Potiphar's place, you're being a witness To somebody who doesn't even know the lord yet Uh, i got a new book in. i think i put it in the pulpit earlier yeah a new book that uh, i i I read behind a lot of guys and and they'll recommend books and uh, one of the studies i've been doing lately is on the subject of grief Uh, i don't like the subject of grief but uh, as we live longer in this world i think we as people god's people have to be prepared to be acquainted with it right jesus was and i think we should be too so i ordered a book uh, office used bookstore by C.S. Lewis. I've read a lot behind C.S. Lewis, and, but I've never heard of this book. And it's called A Grief Observed. And it's really just the journal of C.S. Lewis. Uh, he got married. Interesting story of how he, he married a lady who had happened to be an atheistic communist uh, and would later get saved. Wonderful testimony. Uh, but in this book, it describes he married her. In less than, I'll tell a little bit more about the story in a, in a later service. But four years later, she breaks her leg if she breaks her leg, goes to the hospital. And at the hospital, as they're mending all of that wound, they discover she has cancer. And uh, through the cancer, it would ultimately take her life. And C.S. Lewis was devastated. Devastated. He loved this lady. I think her name was Joy, Joy Davidson was her name. The book, A Grief Observed, I want to read for you just the back of it. And it just gives you a little bit of a snippet of what the book is about. In April 1956, C.S. Lewis married Joe Davidman an American poet with two small children. After four brief, intensely happy years, Lewis found himself alone again and inconsolable. To defend himself against the loss of belief in God, Lewis wrote this journal, an eloquent statement of rediscovered faith. In it, he freely confesses his doubts, his rage, and his awareness of human frailty. In it, he finds again the way back to life. This book, I I forget how many copies of this book have been sold on the subject of grief. I promise you, it was a place C.S. Lewis would never want to go. But through his grief, God showed his preeminence. And through God showing the preeminence in the life of C.S. Lewis, he sat down and he wrote the book, A Grief Observed. That has now been a blessing to thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who've grieved the loss of a loved one. What happened? Well, number two, this was a place of Potiphar's persuasion. Potiphar, now, whether he accepted God as his God, I don't know, but he was convinced based on watching Joseph and how God worked in the life of Joseph. I want you to understand this tonight. There's a lot of people that are unpersuaded about God. Your coworkers, your neighbors, maybe your loved ones, they're unpersuaded. They're not convinced. They've heard all the Bible thumpers. uh, They've heard all of the tambourine whackers, as they used to call them, and they don't have anything to do with them. You holy rollers, we just don't believe all of that. I see your bumper sticker, but I see how you live on Saturday. I don't believe any of that. Can I tell you when you can persuade people just about as good as any other time? is when you're at Potiphar's place. And when everything's falling apart at your life, nothing around you is going right. Somebody's watching you. And when they see the preeminence of God in your life, they're going to say, the Lord is with them. The Lord is with them. You see, Potiphar's house was a place where Potiphar was persuaded. He was persuaded. Do you remember Daniel chapter 6? I gotta hurry. Daniel chapter 6. Nebuchadnezzar was broken-hearted because he loved Daniel and threw him down there, didn't sleep all night in the lion's den. What did he say? <clears throat> when he came back to the door of the den, the opening of the den in verse 20, "Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions." There's a question mark at the end of that verse, a question mark. Is thy God able? Is thy God able? Daniel was in the lion's den. God showed his preeminence in the life of Daniel. And Daniel replies, or or Nebuchadnezzar's reply, or his own answers in verse 26. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Watch this. For he is the living God. He asks a question, but because of God's preeminence, At Potiphar's house in the lion's den for Daniel, his question was answered. He was persuaded. Folks, tonight, listen to me. I know I don't like Potiphar's place. I don't like uncomfortable situations. I don't like being in those places. But listen to me. Rather than gripe and complain and try to kick our way out of it, let's find the preeminence of God. And then we find the preeminence of God, we find the persuasion of God. Other people see what God's doing in our life. Now I want you to know, I don't like trials, but boy, there is some type of spiritual comfort. In knowing that God leads me to a trial sometimes, because there's somebody who needs to see how I'm going to trust Him through it. I don't know where you're at tonight. You might be in a trial, physical trial, spiritual trial, I don't know, family trial. Can I just encourage you with something? Somebody's watching. Somebody's watching. And they're a pagan, like Potiphar. They don't believe what you believe. They're about as far away from you as you can get. I'm talking about Joseph and the Egyptian. They are light years away from you. And yet they're going to sit back and they're going to watch you. And even an old pagan Egyptian could look at Joseph and say, the Lord. Look at it in your Bible. It doesn't say a Lord. It says, the Lord is with him. That his God is real. This isn't no joke. I mean, the Egyptians, bless their heart, they were so superstitious. They worshiped a God for everything. All right, want to have corn this year, so they have the corn God. All right, you know, we want to have barbecues, so we have a barbecue God. I don't know what that looked like, but they had a God for everything. Oh, man, my goodness. Those little gods never did anything for them. But he's watching Joseph and he says, wow. The Lord is with him. What was it? Number two, it was a place of Potiphar's persuasion. God persuaded him there. Whether he trusted him, I don't know. Number two, tonight we need to let God have the preeminence in our life. Why? Because somebody needs to be persuaded. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says this in verse 4. (laughs) Listen to this. But in all things. Back up, what did it say? But in all things. Not when times are good, not when everything's going well, but in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, and then he keeps going, in much patience, who that one hit me, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. What is he saying? God should have the preeminence in everything. That no matter where we're at, we're in good times, we're in bad times, it doesn't matter. God has preeminence. Why? What are we doing? Approving ourselves as ministers of God. What is approving ourselves as ministers of God? I gotta tell you, we're persuading them. Persuading them. You say, well, I'd rather show them by how big my bank account is that God is with me. Wouldn't we all? I'd rather show them by my Rolex or I'd rather show them by my mansion. Look, if you got that, nothing wrong with that. Glorify God with it. But hear me out. It's not going to mean as much. It's going to mean more when they look at you and you're at Potiphar's place. And they can tell God's with you. God's hand's on you. And they say, the Lord is with you them. So this place that Potiphar's at is a place that sometimes we're gonna have to go, may not want to. In eighteen ninety three the World's Fair was held in Chicago, and at the World's Fair over twenty one million people would come through during that season. The World Parliament of Religions came and they did what oftentimes religions do. They set up all these tents along the midway there along where the World's Fair was being held. And they had uh, these tents set up where they would have opportunities to come and debate which religion was which, and which religion was better, and which religion was superior. So you had all of these different denominations there, and they're set up, and they're just arguing about whose religion is preeminent. Someone came to Moody at the time when he was there, and they says, well, are you going to get a tent? He says, not at all. They says, why? They says, we believe the truth. We have the word of God. You should set up a tent right there beside them, and we can dominate them and overshadow them and all that. He says, no. He says, I'm not here to preach the preeminence of my religion. Here's what Moody did. Moody went and rented out theaters during that time. He rented out empty office buildings during that time. And he brought in preachers to stand behind pulpits and preach the preeminence of Christ. He just preached Christ. Did you know that that was the largest number of converts that D.L. Moody ever had in his ministry? Preaching the preeminence of Christ. Look, when people see the preeminence of Christ in our life, that will persuade them. The problem is, we're talking about how good God is and all that he's done in our life, but people can't see anything. He hasn't changed the way we live, the way we talk. He hasn't changed the way we care for souls. We're not changed. That's where we show God's preeminence in our life. Can I ask you? You say God has preeminence in my life. Does he have preeminence over your schedule? Does he have preeminence over your will? Because you can't say God has preeminence over my life, but omit the details of your life. All right? That's, that's like the fine print the government puts on the bottom of our tax forms. You know, letter A, Section B, does it make it just confusing? No, no. Either he has preeminence or he doesn't. And if you want to be persuasive as Joseph was, let God have preeminence in all of your life. Uh, Real quickly, Wednesday I I taught in chapel, taught to the uh, the teenagers that were there uh, about the the little maid in Naaman's house. Do you remember the story? One of my favorite Bible characters, we don't have her name, I want to get to know her one day. Maybe get her autograph. Are we going to want autographs in heaven? I don't know, but I want to meet her anyway. Give her a high five, fist bump, whatever they do in heaven. Here's this girl. She's been hauled away captive, just like Joseph, in a situation she'd rather not be. And the point I made to our teenagers on Wednesday about this little girl, she didn't let the challenges change her. We all have challenges, don't we? We all do. We have things that want to come in and rock our boat and, and change who we are. She did not let the challenges change her. And instead, what she maintained her character and Naaman was able to be healed. She pointed him to the man of God. Folks, tonight, number two, this is important. Potiphar's place, place we may not want to go, but it's a place that can be persuasive if we'll just let God have preeminence while we're there. Finally, I want to show you how to do it. We're going to wrap up with this, Okay. So what did God do in verse 2? He showed his preeminence in the life of Joseph. What did God's preeminence do for Potiphar in verse 3? It persuaded him, the Lord is with this guy. Well, the story goes on, and we won't read all of this tonight for the sake of time, but you know the story where Potiphar's wife comes to Joseph. She tries to get him to lie with her, and now Joseph has to make a decision. I want you to look down, if you will. The Bible says this about what Joseph had to say to her when he refused. Look down at verse 7. His master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. She said, "Lie with me," but he refused and said unto his master's wife, "Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in this in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There's none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept any back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife." Here it comes. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against? God, don't miss this. The devil couldn't beat Joseph with hard times, so now he's going to try to beat him with good times. I want to tell you, just because you fend off the devil in bad times, look, he knows where the back door's at. He's still going to try to get you up and down to and fro in the earth is what Job said. Now here he comes, the devil comes to Joseph and tries to tempt him with Potiphar's wife. Now, I want to show you what it came down to. God's preeminence can be persuasive, but what is the decision? Well, verse 9, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Potiphar's house was a place of Joseph's priorities. Joseph's priorities. Watch this. In the end, regardless of what God wanted to do with Joseph, in his preeminence, regardless of what God wanted to do for Potiphar through Joseph's testimony. Do you know what blew it all out of the water? Do you know what would have undermined every bit of that if Joseph had lost track of his priorities? He says, I can't do this wickedness. Why? Because I would sin against God. Now, folks, listen to me. There are times on the road to readiness, God's going to lead us to Potiphar's place. He wants to show his preeminence in our life so that he can be persuasive to the Potiphar's in our life. But you can ruin it all if your priorities are not right. If your focus is not on pleasing God and serving God. Joseph's priorities were right. He said, I can't sin against God. How can I do this great wickedness? I want you to think about Saul real quickly. Saul sabotaged The will of God for his life when he lost track of his priorities. He sabotaged himself. You ever done that? You ever hurt yourself? All right, if you haven't hurt yourself, you haven't lived an adventurous enough life. Okay? Get out of the house. Put the video game up, you know, uh, turn off the reruns of Price is Right, and get outside and do something dangerous. You do something dangerous, you're going to hurt yourself after a while. Okay? I've hurt myself many, many times in my life. But boy, what grieves my heart is the thought that I have sabotaged God's will for my life at times because my priorities weren't right. I didn't have my eyes focused where they should have been focused. Now hear me out, folks. This is important. Adam and Eve, same thing. Sabotage the will of God for their life. Why? They lost track of their priorities. I want to show you something tonight. It's not for a shock value. Man, they kind of slid up in there. They all do this on purpose. Did y'all slide them up there. I can't reach them. I was looking around my office uh, this afternoon. In my office, I have a lot of books, but some of the books have a lot of meaning. Some books and some Bibles that I have in my office are books and Bibles that belong to good friends of mine, men of God who are no longer in the ministry. This is one of their Bibles. This is one of their books. Totally, completely wrecked and sabotaged the will of God for their life. You say, what happened? Was it a woman? No, no, no. Look, that's just a symptom. Their priorities. They lost track of their priorities. You know why I keep these books and Bibles in my office? To remind me to keep my priorities right. Because I promise you, as soon as you get to Potiphar's place, here comes the devil and he's going to try to get your eyes off of the goal and your eyes off of Christ. Why? Because if he can do that, he can, watch this, he can undermine everything God wanted to do in your life and then whoever God wanted you to be a witness to in your life. He can destroy it all. What did Joseph say? Joseph, Joseph says, no. No, he says, I can't do this great sin against God. Now finally tonight, folks, I want you to understand this. God can do what God has always been able to do. God still has preeminence. God has preeminence over any problem you got in your life right now. That'll help you relax a little bit. The debt collectors, God's got preeminence. He can help you with that too. Quit spending money, okay, but, you know, he can help you with that. Maybe it's a health problem. He has preeminence over that. He has preeminence over that. Maybe it's a family problem. God has preeminence over that. God wants to work. And then God wants to use your situation to be a testimony that persuades somebody. But you can veto it all if you take your eyes off of Christ. You can ruin it all. Why? Because God gives us free will. God gives us liberty. Notice this, Joseph experienced just about every emotion you could. Grief, fear, loneliness, anxiety, go down the list, confusion. All of those things the devil tried to tempt him Just get your eyes off of Christ, get your eyes off of Christ. If you could have done that, the devil would have won, but Joseph never lost his priorities. Can I encourage you something tonight? If you're on the road to readiness and you come to Potiphar's place, number one, God still has preeminence. Do not believe the lie of the devil. He hasn't got you. God's got you. God has preeminence. You get to stick it out, even though it's tough at Potiphar's house. Why? Because there's some people watching you waiting to say the Lord is with them. But oh the devil could sneak through the back door and use your priorities to undermine it all. I give you this quote and we're done. The difference between getting tired in ministry and getting tired of ministry is your motivation and what you're focusing on. I told my wife, before. There are times we all get tired in our personal ministries, right? It's okay to get tired in ministry. But you're on dangerous territory when you get tired of ministry. How do people get tired of ministry instead of being tired in the ministry? It's a matter of motiv- motivation. Hebrews 12 two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I believe with all of my heart that Joseph didn't know what was going on but Joseph knew God was at work, and he kept his focus, his motivation of God wanting to finish Joseph's story. Last night in our family devotions, we were talking about how God writes wonderful stories, doesn't he? His story, his story. This is his story. And you read this, and you're like, wow, that's an amazing what God did in Joseph's life. That same God wants to keep writing yours. He doesn't want you to die in Potiphar's place. But you've got to acknowledge God's preeminence. What will help you do that is realize God's going to use that to persuade a Potiphar in your life. But it's up to you to maintain your priorities. Nope. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not turning back. Why? Because I can't sin against God. That's where his eyes are at. Folks, Potiphar's place. God's going to lead us to those places that we're in sometimes. The good news is he's going to be there with us. He's going to use us while we're there to his glory to help introduce him to others. Let's have our heads bowed tonight, eyes closed. We're going to stop there. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's stand. Let's go ahead and stand together if we could. Question. Are you in Potiphar's place? Have you been in Potiphar's place? Are you heading toward Potiphar's place? Can I encourage you tonight? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Potiphar's place is a place of God's preeminence. God's sovereignty overshadows our circumstances. And then you just hold out. You be faithful. Don't be weary in well-doing. Why? Because Potiphar's place is where those get persuaded. Somebody's watching you to see God's hand on you. So it's up to us to maintain our priorities tonight. Father, thank you for Joseph. Thank you, Father, tonight for working in his life. I thank you, Father, that, Lord, we don't read anywhere in there where he doubted you. Lord, to where he cried out to you to get him out. He just trusted you while he was in. Lord, tonight, if we're in Potiphar's place, a rough place, a place where everything's foreign and everything, Lord, doesn't seem to make sense. uh, Lord, if it's not your will to get us out of it, then, Lord, I pray we would learn about your preeminence while we're in it. Lord, help us to be faithful that we could help persuade the Potiphar's in our life. Father, tonight, I pray that you'd show us the key to it all. It's deciding we're going to maintain, Lord, our priorities. We're doing what we do for you. We're not doing it for applause. Father, we're not doing it for acclaim. We're not doing it, Father, for our own desire, our own will. We're doing it, Father, because we want to serve you. We don't want to sin against you by being disobedient. So help us tonight. Keep our priorities, Lord, while we're at Potiphar's place. the Lord, our story would continue and we'd see how you desire to work through our life. Bless this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have our heads bowed tonight. Our eyes closed before we dismiss. I don't think it's wrong to pray, God, get me out of it. But I think we should continue our prayer and say, Lord, if it's not your will to get me out of it, show me your preeminence in it. God, I'm willing to stay at Potiphar's place. I'm willing to live here as long as you have me to live here. Lord, just show your preeminence in my life. And when I start to get weak and weary, remind me of the Potiphar's that are watching. Potiphar's are watching. It may be your coworker, your family member. It could even be your children. They're watching. They said, "See, I told you so. It's not real." It's all fake. It's all a show. It's just religion. Oh, no, no, no. We're not showing the preeminence of our religion. We're showing the preeminence of Christ. You just show them Christ. The song tonight could be Joseph's song. All the way my Savior leads me. In the pit, on the path, and at Potiphar's place, God was with him. And God was about to show a lost Egyptian who he was through the faithfulness of a young man who had his priorities right.
1: And my soul a thirst may be gushing through.
0: I mentioned this a moment ago when I prayed uh, before the, the message uh, this morning. Got up, had my prayer time, and uh, have always have prayer requests on my heart. Some are people, some are circumstances, and some are personal. And uh, I prayed for several things in my own life. I asked God for specific things in my life that He would do some work in my life and in my heart. And uh, before I ever got to the office, two of my requests were answered, and I couldn't help but just look up toward heaven and just realize. That preeminence is still there. It's still there. I had some question marks this morning that are going to be periods when I go to bed. God can do that. God can do that. Why? He has preeminence. Trust God for that tonight. Amen. I pray that when we get to Potiphar's place, we'll uh, we'll stick it out and be faithful. A couple of quick announcements I want to give you. Tomorrow night, 7 p.m., is our concert, right? Is it called a concert? That, yeah, sure. Concert. Look, some of you men have been promising your wife you're going to take them out on a date. Tomorrow night we will have classical music, right? Yeah, orchestral music. You're not a good liar, Brother Zach. (laughs) We're going to have good orchestral music here tomorrow night. You notice, look, I know you're thinking economy's bad. We had to hawk the choir chairs uh, to pay the bills. No, we had to get them out of here for the tomorrow night. Uh, We're going to have, uh, what is it, ensemble? Give me the names. Look, free concert. How often do you see that? Take your wife on a date tomorrow night, bring her to the free concert, and uh, then take her out to, you know, Whataburger or something after we're done. Uh, Let me see, any other announcements right quick? Yes, Sunday night, immediately after the service, Sunday night, uh, we're going to have a Sunday school teachers meeting. All of our Sunday school teachers, I need to see you Sunday night, immediately after the service in the choir room. And then Brother AJ told me we're about getting ready to gear up for the baby bottle thing for the Hope Clinic uh, the ladies went out and did the uh, walk for the Hope Clinic. Thank the Lord for that. We're going to try to raise some more money so we can help save some lives of some unborn children. Amen. All right, Brother Zach,
1: dismiss this, please. He touched me. singing, He touched me. Oh, he touched me. So something happened.